touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, and today we have a podcast about uh, your first place Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody else in the AFC now has three losses after uh, the Vikings had a just a, a weird game, strange finish. But bottom line is the Bills took the loss on the chin. Um, and the Chiefs, um, you know, like for now, the AFC continues to go through Arrowhead. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, a loss could, could change everything. There's a long way to go in the season, but um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And, and brother, I think it has everything to do with Patrick Mahomes because I want to take you on a journey for a minute, if you don't mind. Okay. You remember the Dick Vermeil era? Yes. That's, that was when I first started covering the chiefs. And that was an era where they used to like, he used to have whiteboards up. There used to be stuff that you could see in locker rooms and stuff like that a little bit more. They weren't quite as guarded about some of that stuff. And Dick Vermeil was adamant. Like he was all about turnover margin. Like he would talk all the time in press conferences and they had it on boards in the locker room about like the team that wins the turnover battle wins like 60% of the time teams that are plus two or more in turnover margin win like 75% of the time that would, that was his mantra. He and his coaching staff were big on turnover margin. Um, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs were minus three in turnover margin today. That should spell pretty much an automatic loss unless you're scoring on special teams or scoring on defense or doing something crazy. And because Patrick Mahomes exists, there was, I never felt like there was any chance that the Jacksonville Jaguars were winning that game. They had a surprise on kick. They were plus three in the turnover margin and they had no chance because Patrick Mahomes, who was, had a pretty pedestrian day by his standards threw for 331 yards and four touchdowns. Do we take Patrick Mahomes greatness for granted? I mean, I don't. And with your long rant, you're not. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I think generally, do you think people appreciate like how rare it is? Like it's like Pegasus and a unicorn had a child and that child is Patrick Mahomes. He's a flying unicorn. He's not just a unicorn. He's a flying Greek God of a unicorn by NFL standards. It's ridiculous. Like teams should not do that. If you're minus three and you lose an onside kick in the NFL, you should not win by 10 in a game in which you look bored and dominating the other team. Oh, I thought you had more. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I just, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. I went, so I went to Thunder Gong Saturday night, Jason Sudeikis' little variety show, and it's every bit as absurd as you would think it would be. But the Chiefs, that was like the Thunder Gong of football games, Nick. I don't know what you're talking about um, in terms of what they do at the show. I am aware of the show and the phenomenal cause that it uh, helps. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, yes. I mean, when I saw that they were minus three in turnovers, I was like, yeah, that shouldn't have won that game. But they found a way, and they did. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, they got, they got bored with that game. They got up to a certain, they got up uh 20, nothing. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of, we're just gonna, we're just gonna make sure we don't get hurt. I mean, cause the reality coming into the game is this, when the chiefs were playing the Titans, um, you had a hundred offensive snaps. So for the offensive line for Patrick Mahomes, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster was at about 83. Kelsey was at 81. Kelsey got hit relentlessly by the Titans in that game. So, I mean, all that combined, 
they they should come out and have a sluggish performance after the adrenaline wears off. And so the key was to get up and get up early and be able to get enough scores where the defense can do whatever it needs to versatility wise. And the offense can kind of, well, let's be blunt coast a little bit <laughs> um, yeah. and, and not put everything that they have into it to completely exhaust themselves. So for, for the, um, for the chiefs, like, to have as much stacked against them as they did on offense, to have minus three turnovers, to have a poor one of the poorest special teams performances Dave Tobe's units ever had during his tenure in Kansas City, if not the the poorest, it was it was up there in at least the top two. Um, all those things combined, and they were still and Juju Smith Schuster getting going into concussion protocol with the scary shot he took. All those things combined, this came out with a comfortable win, and you rarely felt it was in doubt minus the Pacheco fumble at one point where people were probably concerned, "Uh uh-oh, here we go, and some of the special teams blunders early on. Yeah, the the Pacheco fumble was early enough. I didn't think that the Chiefs were in danger of digging a hole they couldn't dig out of. But I'd also add to it, they lost their starting right tackle, who, by the way, is really their backup right tackle and a converted guard in the middle of that in the second quarter, too. And they were without their second best wide receiver, third best. I guess it depends on where you rank him relative to Marquez Valdez Scantling. But they lost, they were without or lost their number one and number two or three wide receivers in that game. And it just didn't matter. And the thing that was telling to me was after the game, when Patrick Mahomes was asked about Marquez, the touchdown to Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, and and the throws he made to Kadarius Tony. And we'll get to Kadarius Tony because I think that's a big reason why they were able to weather the losses of Juju Smith Schuster and McCole Hardman Jr., who was out with an abdominal injury. But Patrick kind of said something, and and I think it might be the first time he said it publicly, at least as directly as he said it. Um, When asked about, you know, getting the ball, finally getting a touchdown for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and he gave the line he's given a couple times about having overthrown or underthrown him, and, you know, he's missed a couple times. He should have already had a couple on on big plays, that kind of thing. But then he basically said, I don't feel pressure to force the ball to anyone this year. I can just spread it around to whoever's open. And that's, that's the first time I feel like he's acknowledged. Yeah. All the times that Tyreek would scream at us on the sideline. And the fact that we knew how good Tyreek Hill was in that offense. I forced the ball to him a lot. I think we all knew it. If you watch the game that they would try to force feed it to him, maybe to the detriment of the offense sometimes because of the way teams would play. Tyreek Hill, but that's the first time I remember him like publicly saying that he wasn't trying to force feed anyone in particular on this offense this year and that that pressure had been relieved. And I think that's why you see what you see with this, this offense. And that's not to say that they're not going to run into a defense that stops them somewhere down the road, you know, And, and look, that's not to say that there aren't defenses who've given them trouble. Like, you know, the Titans are a team that it's a tough matchup for them. But Patrick sure seems like he is unbeatable, and he sure seems like the MVP of the league, the best quarterback in the league, and in complete control of everything that's happening out there on the field at all times this year. And it's good to see because between the injuries he dealt with in 2020 
and, and some of the, the, the tension last year. I'm not sure that we always saw that, um, but I think you're seeing it for sure this year. Um, I think a key part of what happened today is when the offensive line gives Mahomes time and lets him feel comfortable in the pocket, he's going to deal like he did today, various points and various times. And he's going to take some chances sometimes, but not reckless chances. So the Patrick Mahomes all in all honesty goes as the chiefs offensive line goes. Um, so like the tackle spot had a good day. Orlando had a good day. Even Prince had a good day filling in for Wiley. I mean, the offensive line collectively had a good day and each day that they have good days, Mahomes normally puts up 300 without a problem. Some of those times when it doesn't happen, he has to scramble out. He has to move around and create and kind of do fire drill stuff. And when the, and, and he's able to do that too. But I mean, that's the, the Chiefs go as they go. Then obviously you had better production from the run game. And like you said, Kadarius Tony gave them those little sparks and little jolts that they needed in spots. Yeah. The, the, I think the biggest thing that happened moving forward though, potentially was there was the Juju Smith Schuster injury. Cause I think he had clearly established himself as the number one uh, wide receiver on the offense. Um, uh, he'd clearly established himself as uh, he, he look, he's never going to be the security blanket that Travis Kelsey is for Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Right. But he clearly had, had established a rapport where Mahomes clearly trusted him with, with big throws in key situations. Um, what did you think of the Andre Cisco play? Because, uh, you know, Brad Rogers at to the game and he, and he told Andy and the players on the field at the time that they, they ruled it was shoulder to shoulder, that there was no uh, helmet contact. And, you know, that's what they said in the post game. And look, it's entirely possible that um, whatever, I mean, because Juju Smith-Schuster ended up in the concussion protocol. Um, it's entirely possible that he hit his, I, I haven't gone back to look to see whether he hit his head on the, on the, the turf. Cause we know that that can also um, cause or exacerbate a head injury. Right. So I haven't gone back to look at it, but it sure looked like to me, yes, Cisco hit him with his shoulder, but it sure looked like he hit a defenseless receiver in the head on that play. I was surprised they picked up the flag. Um, regardless, that looks like the kind of play. If I'm the NFL in the era of CTE, I don't want that to be a lasting image on Sunday. Uh, you know, for my league moving forward, but uh, you know, what did you think? What did you make of it? And, and what was said after the game about it? I mean, his arms are already in the fencing position after the hit. Like he's in midair and his arms are already in the fencing position. So I mean, it, it, it the 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 shot had already happened at that point to what caused the the concern. Second, you saw it to where he didn't catch the ball because of it, his body automatically reacting that way. So that right, and by fencing position, you mean his arms? His arms are already limp suggesting that he might not be completely conscious as he goes to the ground. Whatever you, whatever you need to call it. Um, I'm just trying to clarify and make sure that's what you're referring to, right? I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a position and we saw it last year in the chiefs chargers overtime game um, early on, whenever the Donald tight end, yeah, the tight end for the chargers went into the fencing position. Once he, Took a once he hit his head off 
Once he hit his head off the turf, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that that, that was a, a turf. He hit the back of his head so, on the turf and hit but, the next, uh, But I'm mode. saying, when you see that fencing position the first time, you never forget it. Right. Because you you it it you you don't get desensitized to that one. Like you you know it's not normal, and the second you see it, like you know stuff is real, and there's a head injury that's going to need to be looked at. In my opinion. But- my first one was a, a fullback named Brandon Smith uh, for Mid-America Nazarene, and it happened on on a kickoff return in probably 2010, maybe. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like you said, when you see it, it's unmistakable, and and you'll you you it's you remember it. And once once I saw that last year and get to see that for the first time, unfortunately, you saw a variation of that with with Tua. Mm-hmm. In his games, and then to see that again today, like you just you don't forget that those th- those images stick with you, and so to see that, I mean, you can debate whether Cisco meant to do it or not. I think he intentionally made sure that that shoulder was going to dislodge the ball or take him out of the game, and that's that's and then for him to go after Valdez Scanlon in the same capacity on that drive as well, kind of told you all you needed to know in that regard. So I mean, that's that was. That was his mission. He wanted to accomplish that, and that was pretty clear. And so that's that's you know that's what ended up happening. But I mean, with Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, I mean he's the he's the receiver. He's the number he's the number two reliable target behind Kelsey. In my opinion, it goes Kelsey. It goes Smith-Schuster. It's McKinnon. In my opinion, is the number three most reliable option they have right now. Valdez Scantling. And McColl, it just depends on the day. I, but Kadarius Tony is working his way up I, to where he's may if he has if he continually stacks performances like he did today, he's gonna be the number three option. I think he already is, dude. He I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm saying <laughs> you need to stack more of those performances. But once you do, he becomes the number three option behind Kelsey and Juju Smith Schuster. He is honestly, he is what I, they wanted Valdez, Scantling, and Hardman to potentially be earlier yeah, on this yeah. year. Yeah, and you're seeing why. I mean, you're seeing uh, he had he like if you go back and actually look at his game by game stats for the Giants, he had like a 189 yard game early in his rookie year last year. Like, it, like the idea. Like, I, I know there's some off field stuff. I know he had a lot of injuries with the Giants, and, and look, I mean, he still may end up being injury prone this year. Um, you know, who knows, you know, there's a lot of football left to, to be played during the regular season, but I mean, you see why he was the number 20 pick in the draft. You see what teams coveted about him coming out of Florida, his playmaker, playmaking ability, his, his elusive, his elusiveness, his shiftiness. Um, I mean, I, look him getting that first touchdown and like sack racing, you know, one leg down the sideline, um, what was cool. The biggest play I thought was they run a double move. Kel, you know, Mahomes does the pump, and and Kadarius Tony's still in double coverage, looking back into the sun. Patrick already trusted him to just chuck that ball up there, and for Kadarius Tony to come down with it, um, and he did, by the way, um, and and he even adjusted his his gloves as he was as the ball was in the air mid route before he went up and got it. Um, I don't think plays like that when Patrick Mahomes watches on a film are going to engender any less trust in Kadarius Tony moving forward. Oh no, Kadarius is going to get pretty opportunities to be fed here, as long as he stays healthy. He'll uh, he'll get more touches. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, honestly, at this point, it's early. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm not a, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything. I would be a little surprised if, if Juju Smith Schuster played next week. Like I'm, I, I just, I guess I, I guess so I should say I wouldn't be surprised if he misses the Chargers game um, after um, what we saw today. Now Patrick Mahomes said he, you know, he told reporters that uh, he talked to Juju Smith Schuster in the in the post game, you know, or locker room, and and that he was his, you know, seemed normal. He seemed like himself. Um, that that's a good sign. I would also say that that can be deceptive, and not to read too much into that as far as what that means for the concussion protocol, you know, Patrick's not a doctor either. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, I think it's going to be wait and see. And, and, and at best is going to be a game time decision on whether Smith Schuster can be available this week. How big a concern would that be, you know, going into what is now a Sunday night football game against the chargers that effectively could give the chiefs a, a, a three game lead in the division. I mean, well, I don't know what, I don't know what happened with the chargers tonight. I assume that they won, but um, I have not, I don't know if it had gone final yet. Um, I mean, the, the reality of it is that. Um, and actually they're losing to the 49ers as we speak. So Yeah. I was trying to figure out a segue that in for you here in a second. Yeah. Once I got my thought together, but anyways, um, yeah, I mean, it, for me mentally, I'm just going to say this is me just giving an opinion. This is not reporting. This is not any of that type of stuff. Right, right. I, once I saw him in the fencing position, I'm like, I think it's going to be really tough for him to to play on Sunday night next week. And so, I mean, that's it, that's my personal – that's where I'm mentally at with that. So I – and I want what's best for his health and for him long term. Not just, right. you know, simply for a Chargers game. Like, I mean, whatever helps him get back to full strength and full health, that's really all that matters. So, I mean, that's that's where I'm at with that. Now, uh, and I, I would, I mean, I honestly, I would rather him, I would rather him miss two weeks, three weeks, whatever it takes for him to be healthy and, and then, you know, be available in December and into January when the games matter more. Um, and I think, the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs are going to rush him back. I'll put it no. They're not, I don't, I don't think. To. There's no way that they're going to risk a short-term gain, or you know, short-term reward versus the long-term gain. The Chiefs, especially with some of the results today, if the Chargers go ahead and lose, the Bills loss, some of the the way things have shaken out, I don't think the Chiefs need to feel any urgency. Like they're in a great position right now. Yeah, so I mean, like they'll have a full week to prepare about how they want to work around it and everything. And you're hoping McCole Hardman can come back healthy next week and that he's okay and good to go. Um, and then you'll need to lean on Justin Watson a little bit more, maybe on the practice squad. Maybe, maybe they decide to have Kemp come up potentially, or in some regard, maybe they go to more of a two or three tight end set and some things and use Jody Forts and, and kind of split him out or split Noah Gray out a little bit more and work with those options that they need to. They have they have options available to uh, diversify their offense in some ways. So, I mean, they, they can work around it, and it's not, you know, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world um, for the team. And Kadarius Tony, if he's able to kind of have another game like he did, like that, that would help them out tremendously. Hey, Cornell Powell. Cornell Powell's still on the, the practice squad. I mean, maybe it's his time to shine. Um, 
It is certainly a possibility. And and like they signed Emir Smith Marset um, when he was released by the Vikings onto the practice squad. I really liked him coming out of Iowa. Um, you know, so. <laughs> But I mean, I, I doubt if any of those guys come up and make a huge impact in the offense. But um, like I said, I, I I think the other thing, and this goes back to what we talked about at the start. Like, I anytime the Chiefs are a better football team with Juju Smith out, Smith Schuster out there, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think I think Patrick Mahomes is fine with saying like, all right, like just play and pick it. Whatever guys we got, let's go. Let's send them out there. We'll take our best against your best. I, I think I take my chance. I'm still going to take my chance with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens at right tackle this week, and how that works out with Andrew Wiley's MRI and all that type of stuff. I think that's going to be one of the bigger questions. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's, a strain, it's a strained elbow. Andy said he's having the MRI on Monday. Prince Tega Winogo, and this is one of the highest compliments you can give a guy, right? Like, I mean, granted, I'm sitting there writing things like that. Didn't really notice him out there. Um, he, he wasn't giving up pressure. The Chiefs didn't have any penalties today. Much, you know, so for a backup right tackle to go in there and, and not make any obvious mistakes, not make any, you know, not commit any penalties, anything like that. Um, I think that's a solid sign. But, I mean, if you're talking about Khalil Back and Joey Bosa, are you a little bit more concerned going against a, a Chargers defense with, uh, print, you know, with Prince in there, or do you think that it's kind of a wash between him and Wiley? Cause Prince is a bigger, maybe a more athletic guy and he's a tackle by trade. So they, the chiefs have obviously liked him for a while and have been grooming him for, for a spot like this. Well, I mean, part of the situation is right now, cause I, I started looking at the, uh, the Chargers this week, Joey Bosa is still technically on IR. JC Jackson's on IR. Joshua Kelly's on IR. Um, Mike Williams is going to be out. Mike Williams was supposed to be out past this game or this game. He may be back for Keenan Allen's got the hamstring injury. Yep. So, I mean, they're, and then they don't have their starting left tackle, right? Sean Slater from, you know, from his game either. So from the last time they played. So, I mean, all those, all those factors combined, you know, the chargers aren't, they aren't in the best of shape. Uh, in terms of health on the roster. So it, I mean, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but I mean, the, that'll be, that'll be one of the big questions coming to the week is what happens at right tackle or what they want to do at right tackle. Yeah. They're now five and four. Uh, Cause they did go ahead and lose to the 49ers. Um, so um, again, th- th- there's no urgency for the, you know, there's no urgency for the chiefs. They're in really good shape. Um, Kadarius, Tony, um, here's the one thing that has impressed me the most about Kadarius, Tony. Um, I, like I had seen him play at Florida, um, you know, watched, you know, you know, kn- watched his tape, but, you know, knew him coming out of the combine. There's a reason he was a first round pick, right? Um, Andy Reid's offense is supposed to be notoriously difficult for wide receivers to pick up. It's a dense playbook. You know, I mean, we've seen it with lots of other guys. They come in and, and they struggle to get it right. Uh, now he had a, a bit of a cheat code because some of the terminology and some of the, some of the route combinations, stuff like that probably were the same. He probably spent the off season studying him now that former chiefs quarterbacks coach, Mike Kafka is the offensive coordinator up there with the giants. But, 
can you remember a wide receiver coming in and 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 adjusting as quick? I mean, he comes in midseason. He's had two weeks of practice, not even. Um, and he he looks like a he's pretty natural out there in this offense. It's a it's a very rare occurrence for the Chiefs adding yeah. uh, midseason wide receivers <laughs> after Josh Gordon and Kelvin Benjamin for Tony to pick up what he has. So that's that's a tribute to him and his part and his work ethic and what he's been able to kind of add it, it, what the coaching staff's worked with him to be able to get comfortable with. Yeah, his football like it says a lot about his football IQ too, and just you know because. I, I, for Patrick to trust a guy, I think he's got to know that he, he knows what's expected of him. And, and um, so that's pretty impressive. Um, what do you make of the fact that Clyde Edwards Hilaire had zero carries today? Not one. They didn't hand it to him once. Isaiah Pacheco, 16 carries, 82 yards, even after the fumble. Um, they never gave up on Pacheco. Uh, it, I mean, is Clyde done in Kansas city for all intents and purposes? We'll see how the season shakes out. Cause I, I really, I really thought with McKinnon having popping up on the injury report, I thought it was a chance for them to activate Ronald Jones and kind of use him a little bit if they wanted to, but they didn't. Uh, McKinnon was able to be out there and kind of help out a little bit. So all that combined, I, I think they want to see what they have in Pacheco. And I think they kind of want to answer those questions. And I will say after the fumble, he had some de- decisive cuts very quickly and ran. Look, he runs angry. And like I've talked about before on here and people, disagree with me in terms of the speed part of it. I feel like, I feel like his lateral speed isn't there. Like it's something he's going to have to work on in the years ahead to be able to, I think to survive in this league long-term. Otherwise he's going to have to be in a, in a blocking style that allows him to run straight line ahead, just like Niall, you know, just like Niles Davis and be able to kind of just plow through and be like a Marion Barber style of running back, which is what I think Pacheco more so is versus a Tyreek or Jamal Charles style. So yeah. with, with that combined, I, I just, I think that they want to, if they have a chance to run their power run game with him, I think they're going to try that. Give him a lot of the straight line runs and kind of, he, he's just got to be able to tap into that decisiveness, those quick cuts and not, and try to use what speed he does have and what, kind of burst he does have to his advantage in the chief scheme. And I don't want to ignore the defense either. Carlos Dunlap got his hundred sack. He's one of eight active players. Uh, you know, one of, one of 60 players, you know, since all time, you know, if you count the unofficial sacks before 1982, things like that, one of 60 guys who've ever reached that milestone. And that's a, that's a significant milestone for any pass rusher. Um, look, the, the chiefs had five sacks, even, you know, without Frank Clark in there, they'll get him back after the suspension, Colin Saunders, you know, you've been begging for somebody to help Chris Jones, who remains arguably the best defensive tackle in the game right now to help provide some interior pass rush two weeks in a row. Now, Colin Saunders has a sack. He's starting to show, uh, the promise that, that we saw when, when he came out as a third round pick out of the draft, this defense just they continue to impress, man. I mean, you know, the game plan was to keep Etienne between the tackles. Don't let him get outside where he can get loose and he can use that elite athleticism to get those chunk plays like he has. He had 11 carries for 45 yards. They did a great job against Travis Etienne. Um, you know, I mean, how impressed are you with this defense and how good do you think this defense can ultimately be moving forward? I mean, part of me has to, part of me remembers that one, 
the Chiefs were going against the 2015 Alex Smith offense that Doug was running with uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. So they're Andy and them are very familiar with it. And they knew what they had to take away from Trevor Lawrence and what he's comfortable with route wise and, and where he likes to throw the ball. So, I mean, the chiefs knew what to take away from him and to make him uncomfortable and how to blitz him. And they were able to focus on stopping the run game. So the fact they held him under 75 yards, if I remember correctly, I mean, that that's good in itself. I believe it was under, I know it was under 80 for sure. I think it was in the seventies range, but for them to be able to do that, that was big. Um, and then they made them really one dimensional in that regard. And they took away their strength with the run game. And on top of it all, the chiefs were able to break the pattern of the third game in the series to where they hang 40 win by four or less, and then end up losing by uh, three by four or less. They broke the pattern with the Jaguars. They're able to win this one. So it's a new pattern. We'll see what ends up happening. Hopefully they can blow out the chargers and we'll see what happens with the chargers, Rams and Bengals coming up here. Uh, every week, I'm more and more impressed with that young secondary. Uh, yeah. Joshua Williams, I think, continues to come into his own. Um, you know, and when we talk about them taking it slow and with with Juju Smith Schuster, Trent McDuffie's the prime example. They took it very slow with him bringing him back. They took it slow with you know even coming back from the from the suspension for Willie Gay. Um, but so far, it looks like the the coaching staff has been pushing the right buttons. When it comes to those guys, Trent McDuffie looked really good today. Uh, he did a good job, you know, with his responsibilities on the outside as far as tackling. He did a good job down the field and breaking up some passes and preventing some chunk plays there. Um, um, I'm, I'm impressed. And I think that this defense has room to get better and continue to grow, which is what's even more encouraging, I think. Yeah, I mean, Joshua Williams, some of the open field tackles he has and how comfortable he is in coverage now, that's really starting to shine through. And then Trent McDuffie's. He's at a, he's going to be a very good player for the Chiefs for quite some time. It's just a matter of if he wants to do it at corner or if they ever end up sneaking him over to safety. Um, as Brett Coleman mentioned in this podcast, it was BJ that I listened to. I thought that was a, thought that was a savvy idea as well. I'm like, you know, he's probably right about that one. Um, so all, all that combined, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs they got a young, youthful, fast secondary that isn't in. They don't they don't seem overwhelmed or in over their heads, and so they're going to play some big games coming up here and some more primetime games. So they'll be they'll honestly be very battle tested by the time they hopefully not homewood get to the playoffs. You know, just until they lock it in, they haven't locked it in. So I mean, I'm trying to be, you know, as that way on that. But you know, I mean, they they had they had a strong showing in the secondary and they had a, uh, the thing I'm going to say about Colin Saunders, I know you love him and he's, he's one of your favorite players. He's almost up there with Dustin Colquitt. Totally get it for you. I, I will say uh, he, he's no, he's, he's nowhere near Colquitt territory yet. Okay. Well, he's not, he's not, I mean, he's in the striking distance in some ways, but what I, he, he has separated himself from the pack. Yes. Okay. Um, but I, I, it's a contract year, so I'm not surprised he's playing his best. Yeah, but I, I mean, I look, I ain't mad at the contract here, man. Um, you know, I also think, and we, and it, I talked to him about it in the locker room today, he's had some kind of freakish injuries. He, you know, the elbow gets caught between a couple guys that, that to me is not indicative of, you know, a guy who's, who's soft or injury prone or anything. He told me today that the knee injury he had last year was actually an existing knee injury. He was playing through it, got aggravated and, you know, and then it, once it got hurt again, it had to be dealt with, um, you know, and so, you know, I mean, 
these things happen in the NFL. Um, but look, I'm just glad to see him starting to uh, like, like, I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I liked what I saw on him on tape. I thought he could come in and be a good player. And I just like it, like seeing him like kind of fulfill that promise because selfishly it makes me feel like I'm not a complete idiot. And what I saw on tape was real. Um, so, you know, that, that's oh. what's, that's what I, that's mostly what I love about Collins. Contract year, my man. Contract year. Hey, that's right. That's right. I, you know, it's contract year for me too. You know, every year's a contract year for me. So. Okay. Well, so, I feel like hey, this, is, they, this is my exit at this point. Yeah. By the way, if the chiefs can beat the chargers next week, they'll effectively have a four game lead in the division with seven games to play. I know that won't satisfy you, but you know, I'll be ready to strike up the band and declare them the, the, seven-time AFC West champions at that point. So, Until you clinch, you haven't clinched, brother. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right. Hey, uh, for Nick Jacobs, I'm Tom Palmer. You take care, kids. <laughs>